0: A lot of people, I just appreciate that. I, I just love music. A lot of churches fighting and arguing about music today, different styles, whatnot. Let's just settle it right. Let's just settle it. Let's just vote. Go vote? Which do you prefer in church? Would you rather have a banjo or a pipe organ? Settled. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Right, we're going to talk about the God of encouragement tonight. We're going to talk about encouragement tonight. Uh, what's the great need today in our land? What do people need more than anything else today? I think encouragement is desperately lacking today. I'm going to talk about it a little bit tonight. We live in a very discouraging society. I don't know if you notice that or not. There's this one-eyed boob tube, and its name is, oh yes, I'm the great discourager. You ever seen the TV or anything like that? News media. We live in a discouraging society. That's that's just half the problem. That's the tool. Let me tell you what the real problem is today. There is a spirit of discouragement on the land today. It's a spirit of discouragement. Now we may point to this and this and this, but there is an unholy spirit of discouragement working in our nation today. Working in the land. If you want to look at that in Scripture sometime, it's in Isaiah chapter 61, where it talks about the spirit of discouragement. There was discouragement is not a bad day, it is a spirit. And discouragement gets on you, this spirit gets on you, and, and you, you get uh, discouraged. And, and that's the minute, there is a ministry of the devil called discouragement. And there's a discouraging spirit, it's on the land. Now, I remember 30 years ago, one Sunday morning, I'm ironing my white shirt, it was back in the white shirt days. And it's back when preachers were on TV on Sunday morning after you got the Florida boys, they were singing gospel. And Oral Roberts, I remember Oral Roberts prophesying a dark spirit of discouragement would come across this land in the next 20 or 30 years. And my gosh, has it come to pass. Wow. And that the spirit of discouragement on the land, and it's a discouraging day for people. for uh, living. But, all right, I want to talk to you about discouragement or encouragement tonight from scripture. Number one, you live by encouragement. Yeah. We live out of encouragement, dear ones. Many people underestimate this. Uh, The Bible calls it heart strength. When the Bible uses terms like heart strength or He will strengthen my heart, that means encouragement. He'll encourage me on the inside right here. You live out of encouragement. And the truth is we do not live out of knowledge. We live out of encouragement. People don't give up because they're dumb. People don't give up because they don't have knowledge. People give up because they get discouraged. People give up on their dreams. They give up on their marriages. They give up on Jesus. They give up on themselves. Not because they're dumb, they're discouraged. Just encouragement drives your life. And yet you can be brilliant and fail at everything because your heart's empty. That's why the Bible said, guard your head, guard your heart. Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. You can have a PhD in a brilliant mind and do nothing. That's why I said guard your heart because if your heart gets discouraged, you're going to quit. I don't care how sharp you are. We live out of our hearts and we live by encouragement. Uh, th- th- let's, let's look at the scripture here. I want you to see this. This, is a, this. I love this passage in Hebrews where it talks about encouragement. And To, uh, to read Hebrews 12, yeah, I got to go back and tell you about Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is God's hall of fame. And it's all the people that did that he did tremendous things for that were not qualified. Amen. I mean, he shut the lion's mouths. He parted the Red Sea. He, a 90-year-old woman had a baby and it became a nation. Yeah. Yeah. It, Hebrews 11 is just look what he can do. Yep. And then it transitions to you in Hebrews 12 where it says this. Hebrews 12.1. I want you to learn these three verses. Go back to them regular. Therefore, since we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who's he talking about? What witnesses? The people in chapter 11, all the people that God's done great things for. He said, these are witnesses to you that he'll do it for you. We got these people today witnessing to us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily us, and let us run with what? Endurance, the race that is set before us picture. I ran track when I was in high school, held the city Charlotte record for the half mile in high school for a while. But, you, you know, you, you, you can't just run through the parking lot. If you're going to run the race and win it, you have a lane you have to stay in. It is designated for you and you've got to stay in that lane. That's what he's saying. I've got a life for you. I've got great things planned for you. I've got great things out there for you. But you're the one that's got to run it. I can't run it for you. Let us run with, what's the word? Which tells you, is, is the great life a sprint or is it a marathon? What's endurance for That's not for sprints, that's for marathons. He said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. All right, let's read the rest of it. I love this. Get your eyes on Jesus. You've got to run this race focused on Jesus. And it says two things about Jesus. He started your faith, He'll finish your faith. He started it, He'll finish it. He's the author and the finisher of what we're doing in life, our faith. He's the author and the finisher. Look in verse 3. Consider him, focus on him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become what? Weary and discouraged in your souls. I right, do. So, what's that passage tell me right there? Life is a marathon that requires what? Knowledge? Encouragement. He said, Listen, listen, these people will tell you, these are your witnesses. If you will stay with me, here's where I'll take you but you've got to run this race and you need endurance. And then what did he say in verse three is the one thing that knocks people out. If you get weary and discouraged, you're going to miss what I plan. You're going to miss the best life. Yeah. So this passage tells me that a great life doesn't come from having a big head. It comes from staying in a place of encouragement and living encouraged. Tell me, according to this passage, what is the number one enemy of a great life? Discouragement. I want you to hear the heart of God right here. Who wrote this? Anyone's not... God Almighty speaks this. Here's what he says. I want you to run the race. I don't want you discouraged. Can you hear the heart of a father that does not want his children discouraged? I'm convinced that discouragement is hell's chief tool. It is the the one thing. We got so many good Christians today. They're not going to get on crack. They're not going to run off somebody's old lady. They're they're not going to rob a bank. He can't get them to do that stuff. So he destroys them with discouragement. And discouragement has become the great tool in our generation that has robbed people. I, I was, success comes from encouragement or heart strength. If you're going to succeed at what you're going to do, it's going to come from. I want you to show. I'm going to show in my favorite verses. Start turn with me to Psalm 119 on encouragement. You would know that I would have memorized all the verses on encouragement through the Bible. I mean, this is a book of encouragement. Psalm 119 is one of the great promises in the Bible. All right. I want you to have a great, I want you to get everything Jesus died for you. I want to get everything Jesus died to give you. I don't want you to suck eggs and crawl into heaven, beat to death. I want you to slide in sideways and say, yeah, man, what a ride. I don't want you to crawl into heaven. I don't want you to fly into heaven saying, let's do it again, friend. I want you to have everything Jesus died to give you. What is the one thing that'll get you there? God's encouragement. Look at this, Psalm 119 is the great verse. Verse 32 says this, I will run the course of your commandments. That's a little confusing. It doesn't mean the 10 commandments. You see the word course there? I will run the course of life you have commanded for me. I will experience everything you've planned for me. Why? Look at the next part. Because you will what? Enlarge my heart. You ever heard anybody's got an enlarged heart? Well, it's a medical term that means you've got heart problems. What does it say right here? I'll get everything God gave me because he will strengthen my heart and give me strength to do it. God will encourage me at heart level so I can finish this thing. Amen. This is one of the great verses on encouragement. But who, who does the encouraging here? I will finish the course because you will strengthen my heart and you'll encourage my heart. I think we made a great mistake in culture and the church recently. Let me tell you what I think we did. We began to substitute. You know, this is the information age. Did I really need to know everything I know today? Has it given me a better life? I think we've mistaken information for inspiration. And I think we've mistaken knowledge for encouragement. We've substituted. We've substituted. I remember when preachers didn't know Job from Palms and could barely speak straight. and They just did the best they could, but boy, they could fire you up. They preached for inspiration instead of Rehoboam, Beget, Jeroboam and then all the Boam boys followed and you think. That's going to change my life right there. America used to be a land of encouragement. This was a land where give me a, what what was was that? a mule and 40 acres. I can do it. Give me a chance. I can do it. That was America. Now what do you hear? I can't make it cause. I'm telling you, spirit of discouragement sucked the life out of this land. And we've made, we made a mistake in substituting information for inspiration. More than you need to learn something else, your heart needs to be strengthened to finish anything. I'm telling you, the secret to life itself is not, we really know enough. Yes, amen. If you're going to accomplish something in life, it's not going to be because you probably learned something else. It's because you've got the ump <clears throat> to do it. You know what ump <clears throat> is, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's a strong heart. If you raise a great family today, it's not going to be because you're a child or an expert. It's because you've got some get up and go in you. It's going to be because there's going to be strength for the journey. Or any task you, you go after. It's because you stay encouraged. All right, the Bible said, guard your heart. Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart because out of your heart come the issues of life. Now Let me tell you what we hear in that verse. We hear, don't let anything dirty get in your heart. Don't let no nasty sin get in there. You know what I hear? Do not let your heart get discouraged. Guard against Discouragement. Guard your heart, because when your heart gets discouraged, all the issues of life come out of a discouraged heart. Number one, we live by encouragement. Number two, God is the greatest encourager that ever lived. Amen. God, the Bible calls him the source of all encouragement. We'll see that a little later. He's, you just cannot get around him, not come away going, dang, a rooster can pull a freight train. I mean, you just, the spirit of God is the spirit of encouragement. He's the greatest encourager that ever lived. I know you wouldn't know that going in some churches, but he is. I don't want to ask you a question. Many of you in this room know him as your Savior. But have you also met him as your encourager? I know a lot of believers are going to go to heaven when they die, but they're going to crawl in. Many believers know him as their Savior, but they haven't learned him as their encourager yet. Don't you know Jesus does more than save? That's why he he has so many different names in the Bible. He's our provider. The same Jesus that saved you will provide for you. The same Jesus that Jehovah Nissi, the same Jesus that saved you will protect you. But he's also the great encourager. And we have got to learn God is the encourager. And learn Jesus as the great encourager. I want you to look at the great passage on the encouragement of God. Turn to your right a little bit. In Isaiah chapter 40. This is that great passage. There's so much in here about him being like this we're going to look at the picture of Jesus in a minute. This is that great passage in the Bible. I'm seeing 20 and 30 year olds today that are giving up. I mean, they're just, they're, they're hopeless. They say you can't make it today. What's the use? I'm telling you, the spirit of discouragement is on this land today. And I heard, a, had a report come out from one of the denominations uh, recently, you know, they're just, they're just it's terrible. The reports are terrible. Southern Baptist lost 400,000 members last year in one year. Whoa, whoa. And, and another one said, he mentioned he lost about 200,000. He said, Well, we lost 250 the year before, so we're not doing as bad as we were. Oh. Oh. Set the fireworks off, Jack. We ain't losing as many. What is this? <laughs> what is happening in my great land? So I just want to ask these boys, where's your God? Yeah. All right. I'm, I shouldn't have said, I'm sorry. Just, well, leave it on there. I'm in trouble anyway. Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 28. Oh, look at these. I love this. Isaiah 40, Have you not known? Have you not heard? You know what the answer is? I don't think so. Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator, then to the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Y'all didn't know that. What does faint or get weary mean? That doesn't mean you fall down. What's faint or weary in the Bible mean? Getting discouraged. Y'all didn't know God don't get discouraged. Right. Have you not heard that there's no discouragement in heaven? Amen. Maybe you think heaven's a discouraging place. No. You think God's discouraged? Pray this sometime. Thy will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Amen. There's no discouragement in heaven. That's right. All right, watch this. He, he didn't worry, he didn't give. Not only you say, well, yay for God, that's not the point of this passage. Watch this. Verse 29. He gives power to the weak. Those who have no might, he increases strength. Now listen, you think he's talking about muscle strength? Physical strength? No. You've got to go to the gym to get muscles. Not to about physical strength. The word is encouragement. He encourages people who are struggling. What would we talk about? Look in verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be discouraged or weary. Young men shall utterly quit. What's happening in our day to day? Young people getting discouraged. What do you say would happen? Watch this. But those who learn to wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We're not talking about physical strength. We're talking about heart strength. Do you remember he said he will strengthen my heart? There's a place you can get with God and wait on Him and your heart will rise up and be strong. You can go from discouragement to strength in a heartbeat. Those who wait on the Lord, He will strengthen their heart. They'll renew their strength. Now watch this. Is this not supernatural? Watch this. They shall run. They will renew their strength. They'll mine up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. Is that supernatural? There is a supernatural encouragement that comes from the Holy Spirit that's available to every believer. Amen. That's why I want believers who have known Him as their, their Savior to get to know Him as their encourager. Yeah. Uh, there was, we're not supposed to run in salvation on this planet. We're supposed to run in encouragement on this planet. Yeah. We're supposed to run in the strength of the Lord. There are physical pictures of this all through the Bible. One of my favorite ones. Uh, in the, you remember when Elijah had to show down on Mount Carmel, call down rain, all that, had to, killed the prophets, fire and all that stuff. And it hadn't rained in three and a half years. And Elijah turns to the king and he said, uh, I've been praying. He said, you better get back to the palace. You better get back to Jerusalem. I hear the sound of rain coming. And the Bible said the king took off. And the Bible said, Elijah outran him to the palace. 54 miles from Jezreel to the palace. 54 miles. Let me make an announcement. The king ain't riding no mule. King gets the best. He's riding the stallions. Eli- and the king's, he's scared. He's scared of Elijah anyway. He's scared he's going to get drowned. So he's beating them stallions. He's flying corner to his eye. He looks over here. And here's an old man with that white robe hocked up on his, and got that beard back here behind him. And he and blows right by him. What's all that stuff in the Bible about? They shall run and not, be. it's talking about the supernatural strength of God to live this life there's an encouragement that comes from that. You need, you need to hang on to this passage. Go back to it regular. Isaiah 20, uh, 40, 28 through 31, where it says this, you have got to learn. Our God is an encourager. He encourages those who learn how to wait on him. And when you get encouraged by God, you will run through your life and not be weary. And then what else? was the last thing it says? You'll walk and not faint. Most of our lives is not lived in the press. Most of our lives is in the get up, walk through the day every day, go to work, go to the doctor, go to the grocery store. We live most of our lives just walking through life. They will walk and not faint. Did God just not promise you a life without discouragement right there? We better learn this waiting on the Lord thing. We we gotta He is the great encourager. Well, let me show you now. Turn to Psalm 31. Let me give you a couple of these to hang on to here. Psalm thirty one. Now, remember the phrase phrase encouragement is used once in a while in the Bible. It's usually strengthen my heart. Psalm 31, uh, verse 24. Boy, I love this one. Psalm 31, 24. Be of good courage. He shall what? What does God do to people? He shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. What the Bible tell me He'll do for me right there. He will encourage me at heart level. He will strengthen my heart. The Bible is for more than knowledge. It is for strength. Yeah. And then, of course, the great one. I turn a page to the left. You probably won the page. Psalm 27. I love all of Psalm 27. All right. Now, this is David's heart. Being, I don't know if you, if you studied the Psalm, David wrote 75 of the 150 Psalms. And it ranges the gamut of emotions from height to Bottom. I mean, David bottomed out a few times in the Psalms. Do uh-huh. you realize that? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been as discouraged where he prayed one time, I hope you beat their children against a rock. I ain't never been that mad with nobody. <laughs> it's in there. I, people get so discouraged. I called a buddy a while back when I'm preaching buddies. I said, Raudacious, what are you doing? He said, well done. On the bottom of the ocean, couldn't be no lower than me right now. I said, I'll be right over. I got the rescue me. I said, I got to come help you. Dear ones, David got like that. But in this Psalm, watch what he says. Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is the secret to heart strength? God is going to do something for me. I right, watch these words. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He'll do what? He will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Do you hear that? Whatever this weight on the Lord thing is, we better learn how to do it and find this strength from Him. And, dear ones, we, we have got to quit being Christian atheists. Christian practicing atheists. We, you know, you can claim to be a Christian, but if you act like He's not going to help you, you're a practical agnostic or atheist. Look, memorize verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I started believing I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God is going to help my family. God's going to get this junk out of me. I know He is. God is going to give me the grace to do this. This family is going to do better. That, that, listen, I would have lost heart unless I had believed He is going to do something for me. Dear ones, we can't just live with, I hope it goes better. That is a practicing agnostic. He's better than that. And we got to let him strengthen our hearts. I'm going to ask you a question. When Jesus walked on the earth and revealed God to us, was Jesus an encourager? I I don't even think encouragement is the strong enough word for it. What do you see Jesus doing over and over in the Bible? Speaking hope to people. Speaking into their hearts. One of the great ones, Mark chapter 5 is where a man came to Jesus and said, I got, my daughter's dying. You've got to help me. Jesus said, I'll go. Well, let's go. So they start walking and all of a sudden two servants, he sees them coming in a distance. What do you think happened in his heart? They come. They said, don't, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. What do you think happened in that man's heart? What would happen if, you, if it was you? What would you do? Do you think his heart bottomed out right there? See, he got his hopes up because God's like, he's going to help me and she's dead. And the next verse, verse 38, Jesus leaned over and said to him, I think he said, you do not be afraid. You just keep believing in me. Mm -hmm. What happened in that man's heart then? when God speaks, it's not for information. He speaks to your heart. And when he speaks, hearts just rise up. The woman caught in adultery, fixing to get killed by preachers. Mm What did Jesus say to her? I don't condemn you. Let's start life over. Go and start life over. What do you think that did to her heart? All through scriptures, Jesus spoke to people's hearts. My favorite one in the Bible is in the latter part of Luke where Jesus had died. He'd been resurrected. He had a different looking body. Nobody recognized him. He's walking with these two guys and they are so low. And Jesus said to them, why are you so discouraged? The road to Emmaus. Why are you so discouraged? They said, are you the only guy in Jerusalem but don't know what happened? He said, "This is you don't think Jesus got a sense of humor? He said, tell me about it. Do you really think he needed to have been told he'd just been crucified? So they poured their sad hearts out to him and then he talked to them as they walked. But they didn't know it was him. But listen to what they said that night they realized it was him. Listen to what they said. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? Dear ones, God he speaks to the heart. We need to be able to meet God in private and say did not my heart burn within me when he spoke to me? He speaks to the human heart. We got to learn to wait on the Lord, let him speak to the heart. And that's what he does. All right, let me ask a question. You ever heard the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. He's the, you know, there's three. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Y'all know that? The Holy Spirit's the weird one. Bunch of goofballs have given him the reputation of being weird. He's not weird, he's wonderful. I, I, you know, the father, he's okay. I really like Jesus. He's neat. But that Holy Spirit guy, he makes me nervous. They are the same. Right. All right. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I'm going away. And in John fourteen sixteen, he said, but I'm going to pray the father and he's going to send you another helper. helper and he will be with you forever. Yeah. And he was talking about the Holy. this, he spoke of the Holy Spirit. All right. I to whoop my Greek out here a little bit because I'm going to impress you too late for that, isn't it? (laughs) He said, he will give you another helper. And the Greek word helper is paraclete. You've heard this paraclete. It's a word used often in the Bible in different ways, right? Paraclete is two Greek words jammed together. Para is, para means to walk beside. Parallel bars are two bars that run beside each other. I'll give you somebody that will para, walk beside you. What's the word cleat mean? Speak encouragement to you. I'm going to give you somebody that's going to walk beside you through life and speak encouragement to you. Awesome. Tell me what the Holy Spirit does. He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me, you mind, Bubba. I'm His own, I'm sorry. I mean to... Listen, God talks to me in my language. He yeah. yeah. don't speak Peruvian to me. I wouldn't know what He's saying. And He speaks it with a Southern accent to me. I'm not saying he does it to you, but to the Romans, he'll become a Roman. All right. But there's the Holy Spirit speaks encouragement to you. Paraclete to walk beside somebody and speak encouragement to them. Mm -hmm. He's the great, all these guys are great encouragers. I mean, you just, I've I've had people say, Brother Brian, God's been speaking to me," And I say, you need to change gods. (laughs) I'm not being cute. That's just not what it looks like when God speaks to somebody. All right, anybody ever wonder what the Bible's for? So, yep, sucks all the fun out of my life. I was having a great life. The mama started quoting it to me. <laughs> Tell me what the Bible's for. The Bible is to encourage people. I want to show you that. Look at me in Romans chapter 15. If the Bible don't encourage you, something's wrong. And my gosh, I got preachers can do it. The Bible's not for beating people. It's not a club. It's not a dog leash. It's not a collar. The Bible is a book of encouragement. I want you to see that. This is Romans chapter 15, that great passage, where also in this passage, one of the greatest verses you'll ever memorize is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, what is hope? Hope is encouragement. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the great encourager, the Holy Spirit. What are the three things that verse said God does for people? He gives them peace, He gives them joy, and He encourages them, gives them hope. I right, look at the Bible. Here's what the Bible says about itself. Romans 15, 4 says this. Whatever things were written before, talking about the Bible, were written for our learning. That we through the patience and, see the word comfort? Paraclosis. Encouragement of the scriptures might have hope. If you hear the Bible preached or you read the Bible and something rises up in your heart and you get encouraged and you have hope about tomorrow, you have heard the word correctly. Amen. That's the, the Bible was written that you might have patience and encouragement and you might live your life. What is hope? God is going to do something for me. Yeah, come on. We're going to do great. I'm going to get better. I'm going to live free. Amen. My kids are going to do great. That is what the word of God is supposed to do to you. Yes, amen. You say, well, how come I hear preachers preaching it? Just, I just feel leaving lowering a snake's belly in a wagon. Ripped? The Bible answers that. Oh, you listen, learn this from your preacher. Learn this from God's word. The spirit of God always gives life to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians three, six, three says this. We are ministers of the new covenant, the Bible, but not of the letter, the Bible without the spirit in the spirit. Because the letter kills people. Yeah. The Bible without the Spirit will beat the fire out of you. Yeah. But the Spirit with the Bible will impart life and hope to you. Amen. All right. I pray this don't offend you. If it does, get over it and learn something. Amen. Dr. Mark Rutland is probably the greatest scholar in our nation, evangelical scholar in our nation. He was a Methodist preacher. He was pastor of the largest Methodist church in the North Georgia Conference, which is in Atlanta. And, uh, but he was a drunk and a womanizer. And he, he, you know, he said, I'd lay out all Saturday night, hawk the bars of Atlanta, get drunk, chase women. I'd get up, I'd stand in the shower for a half hour trying to steam the alcohol out of me so I could put on that black robe and get up in that pulpit and look down on all them peons. And he, God was about to kill him. He was demonized. He was miserable. And he had a meeting with God in a meeting one day and it just, God just broke him. And it changed his life tremendously. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to follow God. Of course, he had to leave the Methodist Church And uh, he's been the president of two universities, pastored the great, uh, if you've ever been to Disney World on I-4, there's a huge white church, looks like a shopping mall called Calvary. He pastored that church. And Dr. Rutland is uh, one of the most encouraging, but he's probably the greatest scholar in our nation today in evangelicalism. And he said, I went to preach a commencement exercise recently. And he said, "I I had the best time with those kids. I was jacking them up and they were hollering at me and we're having the best time. And faculty got a little nervous, but they'll get over it. And he said, afterwards, I'm leaving the building. I'm walking with a young pastor. And one of the students came to me, and said, Dr. Rutland, I said, man, that guy was dope. That was dope, it was great. And he walked in, he said, thank you. And he said, did he just say my sermon was dopey? <laughs> Dr. Rutland's 70, he's like me, he's clueless. He said, no, no, he said it was dope, dope. He said, Dr. Rutland, today dope is good. Dope means good today. He said, it's was bad when I was young. He said, you mean like crack? He said, no, he meant he, meant he was blessed by it. It was good. He meant, he meant when you say that was dope, it means you encouraged me. I said, so you mean like if, if, a, if a blow black car slows down in the hood late at night and pulls over to some dude standing on the curb and says, rolls down the moon,' and says, you got any dope? The guy says, I got some Mark Rutland CDs. Is that what we're talking about there? He said, yeah, yeah, that's it said, ask the guy, so you got any downers? He said, yeah, I got some John MacArthur CDs. They'll do it to you. (laughs) Dear ones, when you hear preaching or somebody talks out of the Bible or you even read the Bible, your heart should rise up if the Spirit's in it. If it beats you up, that is the letter that killeth without the Spirit. It's lifeless. Oh my gosh. That's why you've got to have the Holy Spirit in your church. He alone can impart life and encourage hearts. James Robinson had a crusade one time. He said, we had a man actually die sitting in the seat right while I was preaching, right in the middle of the crusade. He said, the paramedics came in and they carried out eight men before they got to right one. I said, I'm not surprised. We told them somebody died in average church service. They wouldn't know who to grab. Talk to me. The spirit of God gives life to his word. The Bible was a dull book to me for, for me to years till I met the Spirit of God. It lights my heart up now. Yeah. Just, I can't explain it. It's just, it just does. Alrighty. All righty. Number three. All right, we live by encouragement. God is the greatest encourager in the world. You have got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Mm, true. One of the greatest things you This may be the most important thing you'll ever learn. You've got to learn how to do this. I want you to turn to the great passage with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. You think you've had a bad day in your life? Watch this and right here. I mean, we've, I've had some rough days, but I never had anything like this. King David, called by God, anointed by God, going to be the next king. And the, when the current king found out, he hated his guts. He was demon possessed. So he was going to kill David so he couldn't get the throne. He threw a spear at him at dinner one night. David's a quick little fella. He missed it, and it went in the wall. And he chased him mercilessly for years. David had a band of 400 men—the discouraged, the dissatisfied, the in debt—they all ran with him. And he spent four, he spent years running from this maniac king. He finally joins up with the Philistines as a mercenary and starts fighting for them. And he's a—he's a—he's running, and he's, hes and he says, "You called me to be a king. This is what I'm going through. How about you, you ever heard of training for reigning?" what he was going through. And all of a sudden one day, they had a little town called Ziklag. Him and these 400 guys had their wives, their cows, their horses, all. They just had their little town called Ziklag. And they went on a raid with the Philistines one time and as they, and they won. David won. David won everything he ever got into. And as they're coming back, they saw smoke from a distance. And when they came there, a marauding band had come into their city, burned their little town to the ground, captured their wives and daughters and sons and, and taken all their animals. And I mean, it, he was devastated. And don't, you ever just look up and say, this is what I get for following you? But listen, your wife, some, some marauding band has got your wife and your daughter. You don't know what they're doing to them. What's that going to do to your heart? Watch this. And it got even worse. That, ain't, that wasn't the worst part. All right. Verse six. Now David was greatly distressed because the men spoke of stoning him. Because the what the soul of all the people was grieved. What does it mean? Their soul was grieved. They were so discouraged. This is beyond discouragement. They were in despair. Every man, his sons and his daughters. You got to, all these men come back. Their their families have been taken. Their kids have been captured by these ISIS idiots which is exactly where they came from, that part of the world now. And their homes are burned and they're so discouraged. Now they they turn on their leader. They're going to kill David. The men you've laid your life out for, they're going to stone you. You've lost everything you got. Heaven only knows what's happening to your wife. Now your men are fixing to kill you. And maybe that can be a bad day right there. David needed to go after these guys, didn't he? David was a smart man though. Watch what happens at this most discouraging moment. Watch what he did. Read in verse six. David was greatly distressed. The people were going to kill him because the soul of every man was so grieved. You know, when you get grieved, you do crazy things. Every man for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. He knew I am not in any shape to go after them right now. He knew I am so discouraged and so broken right now. I got no business even trying. Before I try to recover what I lost, what'd he do? I have got to get with my God. And I've got to get this heart fixed. Yeah. And David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And he, he, he knew how to do that. He knew how to get before God and wait. What the Bible say, wait on the Lord. It was more than you need to try harder. You need to learn how to wait on God so he can touch you right here. Yeah. And, and then the great thing is after he let God strengthen his heart, he said, let's go. And they went and the Bible said he recovered it all got his wife, his children back, whooped the enemy and took their stuff. But why, why, was he, why was he able to, many people don't understand, why was this man able to do so much more than he should have been able to do? Right there's a secret. He knew how to get with God and get his heart strengthened. That's right. He knew how to go to God and get the strength down in his heart. You has got to learn how to do the same thing. Dear ones, do not stay down. Yeah, come on. There's nothing wrong with getting knocked down. There's nothing wrong with just having been hit so hard with something that knocks the wind out of you. I've had things that are so discouraging hit me like a flaming freight train. Do not stay down. I've learned, I've learned when things happen, get to God and let him pick you up. Let him strengthen your heart. Get to him. let him strengthen you. And one of the prayers we need to pray is, teach me. Teach me how to come to you and be strengthened. We have a kid from our church here. He flies in the Air Force. He flies a refueling tanker plane. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but it's a huge plane and it's full of fuel. And they will be these planes that are flying out there doing these crazy things, the fighter jets, you know, they'll run low on uh, fuel. It's not good for a jet to run out of fuel. And so these big planker, tanker planes, they'll hop, they have humming along. And he'll go over top of these small planes. It's, it's hilarious to watch. They'll go over top of them and a cord will drop down and they'll refuel in midair. You know, US, I mean, Air Force One can do that, And they'll refuel them right there in midair. And then all of a sudden they'll be refueled. They'll pull that line up and pew, they'll take off again. What a great picture of the Spirit of God. That's good. How we've got to learn in flight. You have got to fill me up again. Yeah. Somebody should write a song called Fill My Cup, Lord. Amen. I lift it up. Amen. And you've you got to say, teach me how to do this. Teach me how to come to you and get my heart filled. Do not stay down. Let me tell you what the blessing is. All right, It's good to let other people help you, but you really need to learn how to do this on your own. It's true. John 4 says this. That woman who met Jesus, she went and told all the men. They came back. They spent time with Jesus. John four forty two says this. At first, we, we were excited about you and followed you because of what other people said, but now we have learned to hear Him for ourselves. That's good. Yeah. Now it's good to let preachers encourage you. It's good to let your friends encourage you. You need to learn to hear the voice of the man himself. That's right. and You need to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord, just as David did you say, well, Brother Brian, if those hard times come, I will. Let me tell you something even better than waiting until you run out of gas. Fill up every morning. Mm-hmm. Come on. Why do we have quiet times? Because in the Baptist church, you get a free Bible if you have them all year long. And a pen. I don't need a pen or a Bible. There was a, quiet times are not for God. No. Don't you know He don't get discouraged? Quite, when I drove a day cab truck, I drove local. I'd drive every day. Every morning, first thing I do is go fill up every morning. No matter, every, I don't care if I had fuel. I just started, and said, fill me up every morning. Mm, we got to learn to live like that. You can't make it on one, one snack a week. Mm. You got to learn to get up every morning and say, help me Rhonda. I mean, help me Jesus. Help me somebody. <laughs> you have got to learn to fill your heart and get with him and let him do that. All right, let me help you with something here. I don't know if you've ever been taught this or not. You ever heard of sin? I'm wondering. What's wrong with it? Somebody tell me, so it's bad. That's not what I mean. What's wrong with sin? People don't understand what's wrong with sin. Let me tell you what's wrong with sin. Sin silences the voice of encouragement in your heart. Who is the paraclete? That's the one that encourages you and builds your heart and strengthens your heart. Well, sin grieves the Holy Spirit and he can't talk to you anymore. If you ever had a friend that was such an encouragement and such an encourager, and all of a sudden they couldn't, they wouldn't talk to you anymore. That's what sin is. The reason sin is wrong is because it cuts you off from the life of God. You're still his child. He'll still protect you if you won't act like a total idiot. (laughs) But there was the problem of sin is it silences the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's what Psalm 51 is all about. David lived in sin. He was still God's child, but listen to what he said. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Yeah. Speak to me again. Mm-hmm. Do not let the bones that you broke, let them rejoice. Then I will sing again. Yeah. He was still God's child. He was still king, but he was so discouraged. Yep. The problem of sin is the discouragement it brings to the human heart. That's why you need to treat it like an egg-sucking dog. Look, Watch old yellow. You'll figure that out. All right, last of all, we, we live by encouragement. If you're going to do great, you've got to live in courage. And God is the greatest encourager in the world. We've got to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. I, I accidentally ran across this Holy Ghost thing years ago. Right, I was saved... And then I was taught the Bible, went to Bible college, all that stuff, and I got the doctrine part. And then I learned how to run the church thing. I really do know, I just don't want to, and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, I began to have experiences with the Holy Ghost, where you just, like something would just, your heart would just burn with, you just, I'm having trouble describing this, ain't I? I just, that would be so encouraged and so touched by God, and I could just, as King David said, man, I could, I could leap over a mountain now God would strengthen my heart. And I, it would happen when certain people were preaching. I could just go out there and just go, yeah. And it would speak to my heart. That's Psalm 42. Deep was calling unto deep. Their spirit was speaking to my spirit. Spirit of God was flowing through them. And uh, I, there was certain music I could hear and it would just strengthen my heart. I'd just go, I want to live here. I want to live under the, don't, don't fuss with me. Simon did that. Remember, Jesus took Simon up on the mountain and he heard the voice of God. Simon said, I'm building me a house right here. We'll build three houses right here. We're going to build a right here. Jesus said, no, we can't stay here. We've got to get back down in that mess. But I began to experiment and say, I don't have to be at church to do this. I want to learn how to do this between me and you. I want to learn how to hook up with you and connect with you. Then I read in Ephesians 5 it said, be filled with the Holy Spirit's will of God for him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And that that's Ephesians 5, 18. It says, just con- the... the Uh, You know, we got three tenses, past, present, future. Greek has eight tenses. So it's hard to translate, but it would properly be translated. Always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled continually over and over. What does that sound like? Stop at the gas station, Bubba. Go by and let God fill you up. And I said, teach me how to do it. Man, I know how to do it now. And he said, well, teach us how to do it. I don't think you can do that. This is one of them. You will find me when you search for me with your heart. Yeah. Right. You'll find him. Listen, he wants to feel you more than you want to be. He wants to strengthen you. How you I many of your parents? You ever had your kid get out of heart, get discouraged, get their feelings hurt? What'd you want to do? Man, he's the same way. I had a few times my kids was little and they'd get a little discouraged and boy, I'd hop right in there and I'd say, let me tell you something. And I'd strengthen their little hearts and I'd cheer for them and I'd, do, I'd have them like Rocky, ready to jump back in there and again. <laughs> And I'd say, you can do it. You encourage, you comfort your children. You encourage your children. Guess where I got that from? I was created in the image of God as a father. And he, he loves to encourage you. To just tell him, teach me how. But now listen to me. What's the word? Wait. Those who, those who tell God to hurry up. Those who wait. We have got to get back to waiting on God. You cannot rush the Holy Ghost. But dear ones, you, we have got to get back to waiting on God. Right. If it starts as a discipline, pretty soon it will be a delight. Mm. All right, let me wrap up by saying this. Uh, then you've got the ministry of encouragement. I think we should have staff members that are strictly the pastors of encouragement. Mm. Come on. Every one of you. How I many of you think encouragement is important? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's look at the ministry. Let me turn another verse with me in 2 Corinthians at the ministry of encouragement. 2 Corinthians 1. the reason God encourages you is because He wants to see you encouraged. He wants you to run with courage the race that's set before you. Friend, discouraged is when you disassociate from courage. It's when you lose your courage and you don't want to go on anymore. That's what discouragement is. All right. He said, listen, he said, do it, child, do it. I can't do it for you. You've got to run the race. My son ran track when he was in high school. And I wanted him to win. But I couldn't get out there for him. I mean, I couldn't get out there for him at that age. They wouldn't let, this, they wouldn't let his daddy run for him. He had to run the race. Guess what my job was to do? Stand out there and discourage him. You as fast as I am. Sure running slow today. You're going to lose. Good luck. I didn't do that. Son, he would run, I'd stand out there and come on, boy, get your butt in. You can do it, son. Come on. You know what that is? That's an encouragement. That's an encouragement. And I can just see him. He'd step it up a notch when we'd holler at him. God is the greatest thing. He's he's standing there saying, I can't run it for you. But I can cheer for you and encourage you. And you hear the voice of God, you just like the roadrunner. You're just gone. I'm sorry. I don't watch modern cartoons. These are all from the 1960s. All right. This is the great passage. that talks about why we, one of the reasons we get encouraged. First, second Corinthians one, three blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus, the father, the father of mercies and the God of what all the word comfort. There is paraclosis, the God of all encouragement. Listen to me. You know what the worst part of hell is? Hopelessness. There is no hope in hell whatsoever. There's no encouragement in hell whatsoever. You you suck the encouragement right out of everything. You got hell. Tell me what my God is. Because He is all encouragement. He's the source of all encouragement. He's taking it to heaven. He ain't leaving none down there. God is the God of what? What does it call Him there? He's the God of encouragement. He's the God of all comfort. Now, comfort and encouragement are real close. Comfort is like to encourage somebody when they're wounded. You know, like somebody loses their loved one and you go over the house and you put your arm around them and you, you sort of encouragement, but that's really more comfort right there. Comfort is mild encouragement, but they're both the same root word, paraclete. He's the God of all comfort and encouragement. Watch this. Blessed be the father of all encouragement. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles. My God, have mercy. What if that were true? What if every time I got in trouble, what if every time something happened to me, what if every bad report or every discouraging day, He came and comforted me? Mm-hmm. I want you to know God as your encourager, not just your Savior. That's right. I, I can't imagine any of my kids going through a tough time and me going, well, this ain't my day to encourage them. <laughs> my kids are grown at 30. Oh, they're grown. I don't know how old they are, but they're grown. I got a note from my middle daughter not long ago. She said, You'll always be my greatest cheerleader. That is a father's job, is to encourage his children. Listen, what does it say? He encourages us in all our troubles. You will never, and listen to me, this is a day of troubles. Jesus said, In the world you will have trouble. Mm. What are you shocked about? Mm. In the world you will have trouble be of good cheer I have whooped the world's butt well it's actually I've overcome the world but that's my southern translation there Jesus said you're going to have trouble in this world what happens in my troubles God encourages me he's the God of comfort God of encouragement who comforts us and all let's read the rest verse 4 in all of our troubles that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble can you see the chain there If I learn to let God be my encourager and I let Him strengthen my heart, guess what I'm going to become? A natural encourager encourager to people. Now He encourages me because He wants me to make it. But one of the reasons we get encouraged by God is He wants to turn a bunch of ministers of encouragement loose in the earth. Do you know anybody could use a good word today? What's the primary way you encourage people? Jesus said it like this in John 7, 37. Same thing, same picture. Jesus said, if any man's thirsty, do you know anybody's thirsty today? I'm talking about water. If any man's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then out of his heart will flow rivers of life-giving water. This he spoke of the Spirit. If you'll learn to go to Jesus, let him encourage your heart with the Spirit, out of your heart will come encouragement to other people from the Holy Spirit. But what do you have to do to be able to, out of your innermost being, your heart flow rivers of living water? What do you have to do? You got to go to him and drink first. You listen, Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. That's why it is so important that we learn how to, I don't know what the phrase is, tap into God, connect with God, hear God's voice. These are all the correct phrases. It just means touch the Holy Spirit and let him strengthen our hearts. The encouragement is the greatest need of this day today. It's a desperate need. I know that, listen, I'm so keen to this spirit of discouragement. I'm not a discourageable person. I mean, I'm just one of them. Life is good and I'm glad to be alive. I was going to hell. Anything's better than that's good today. I'm a very, but there are times when somebody will speak and something hits me like a freight train. And I recognize it as a demon spirit. It's like a heaviness just comes over you. And that's what Isaiah 61 calls it. The spirit of heaven. And it's like, I'll, I'll just go, where the hell did that come from? I mean, it's like, I'm just going, I was fine five seconds ago, but let me tell you what I've learned. I do not give in to that stuff. That's right. Demons are not my master. Jesus is my Lord. Amen. And I tell them, you've got about five seconds before King He shows up around and he's going to run you out of the house, Doc. Mm-hmm. They tremble at the mention of His name. That's right. And I've learned, boy, I've learned, do not stay under there. That's right. I ask people, how you doing? Under the circumstances, I'm pretty good. What are well, you doing well, under there? Right get out from under there golly the Bible says we are undercomers (laughs) overcomers you don't need to be under you need to be over what could you not do if you were encouraged if your heart were on fire with the encouragement of God what could you not do I'm telling you this is my favorite verse okay I got several favorite verses Psalm 46 says this, there is a river whose streams will make glad the heart of God's people. Amen. There, was, there is a river. I just got to get you to it. Whose streams will make glad the heart of God. The ministry of encouragement. That's why I love this passage here. In 2 Corinthians it said, the God of all comfort or encouragement will encourage you. And then you can encourage people who are in trouble with what God gave you. That's, right. that's life right there. That's, good. that's a good life. I'll give you one example we're done. I love it. I don't know why I keep saying I love it. I do. Acts chapter 27 is that great passage where Paul had appealed to Caesar. God said, "I'm going to send you. You're going to preach to the most powerful man in the world." And uh, I'm not sending you first class. I'm going to get you arrested and let them pay for the bill. So the government's going to send you. So he gets arrested, he's on a prisoner ship, 274 people. He's going to and it's a long journey, long way from the Middle East over to Italy. And he's on this boat and Paul told them before they got on that boat, they said, the spirit of God inside of me bears witness. We shouldn't make this trip. It's going to be dangerous. And the helmsman said, I'm not about to listen to some preacher in chains. You should pay attention to preachers. So they got out and all of a sudden a terrible storm came and it was bad. And the Bible said they lost their masting. It said they threw the cargo overboard trying to save the ship. Good. There's all your money. Goodbye. And it said... The storm beat on them 14 days in a row. Listen to what the Bible said. All hope that we would be saved was lost. Now this is talking about a physical storm. You know anybody's there right now? The hope, we've lost hope. Paul stood up and he said, listen to me. You should have listened to me start with. He said, do not be discouraged, men. Last night, an angel of my God said, God has answered your prayers and he's going to save you and he's going to save everybody on this ship. That's what he said. Therefore, Take heart, men. It will be just like God told me it'll be. And He spoke to these people who would lost hope. And the Bible said, He said, "You." By the way, been a long time since you've eaten. Let's all have something to eat. So the Bible said, He took bread and gave thanks, and He told them again, and He said again, "Not one hair on your head will perish." Believe God. Be encouraged, men. Listen with the. I love this verse. They were all encouraged and took bread. Does anybody know the end of that story? The ship busted on a reef and all of them were saved, every single one. You got got people that are absolutely in despair because of the circumstances around them. One man stood up and changed the whole atmosphere by saying, trust God and be encouraged. That's you right there. You need to be the encourager in your family. You need to be the, somebody needs to hear the encouragement of God through your lips. Mm -hmm. Out of your heart, through your lips. And then let me throw this in as a bonus. It's a pretty fun life to live. It is. <laughs> it's a pretty fun life to live when you've got the encouragement of God flowing through you and you're encouraging other people. That's right. It beats a fire out of gloom, despair, and agony, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, <laughs> despair, and agony on me. Anybody old here say it? Hee-haw. That was the theme song of Hee-haw years ago. <laughs> They sang in a lot of churches I used preaching years ago when I was on the circuit. That's better than sitting around sucking eggs. Listen, guard your heart. Why did God tell you to do it? He, he can't do it for you. You got to guard your heart. He's given you a spirit. He's taught you how to do it, but you got to guard your heart. You, you need to have a, like a gauge on the dashboard of your soul. And it, you need to have a heart gauge, like a heart monitor. Let's call it a heart monitor. It's good, heart monitor. And you need to say, I am rip-roaring and snorting. Huh? That's, that's over here all the way. Uh-huh. I'm okay, but I could use some help. I am sucking hind tit today, buddy. I mean, you just hurt. I'm sorry. I'm fired. You're not a farmer. You don't understand that. That was the littlest pig who got no milk because he was on the hind. I'm sorry. Cut. All right. You should have a heart gauge. My wife will talk about that. <laughs> you need a gauge, you just need to be able to say, here's where my heart is. Guard your heart means where's the gauge. You need to say, my, my heart's not doing well right now. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Get, to the, get under the spout where the glory comes out. Come on. Yeah. Or you need to say, I could whoop hell with a water pistol right now. That's where you want to live. Right. Yeah. That is strengthened in the Lord. You need a heart gauge, look at yourself. My last scooter motorcycle was a Harley Electra Glide. I just love riding, but I'm too old now. And I was riding that thing, and uh, I'm, I'm the world champion at running out of gas. I just, I did it just a couple of weeks ago with my wife in the truck. I, I don't mind running out, run out with her 11 o'clock on a Saturday night in some place called Farmer. It's terrible. I just like to run out of gas because you meet the neatest people. I ran out on that motorcycle several times. So we are a restaurant one night. She sees a buddy of mine. He's a mechanic at the Harley place and we're talking. She said, you should make one that's got a gas gauge on it. He tells her, said, tell him to look right in the middle of the handlebars. It's sitting right there. And if that's not enough, there's a little yellow light that flashes when it's low. I said, would you like to help me anymore? Anything else you could tell her about that thing? <laughs> Dear ones, there's really no excuse for running out of gas, because not only is there a gauge and there's a light. If on all the junk I got, I'm going to do it again anyway, though. You need to have a gauge for. What do you think guard your heart means? Keep an eye on your heart. Watch your heart. If it's discouraged, don't beat yourself up and don't try to drive without gas. All right, three weeks ago, my father-in-law needed something moved. I'll take the tractor over there. It knocks off right in the driveway. I pulled the hood up on the tractor. I went and got some tools. I'm taking the carburetor off there, looking at it. He looks out there, and he, he knows this stuff too. He looks, he said, not out of gas, is it? <laughs> now, I'm respectful of my father-in-law because I love it. I've never spoken disrespect to him. I thought, he thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> he proved I was an idiot. <laughs> he screwed the top off. He said, look dry to me. Say I went on and told my wife the tractor broke, but I fixed it. (laughs) Fixed it by pouring gas in it. Dear ones, do not be like that famous rocker running on empty. You can't do it. Your heart has to be fed on God's voice and His Spirit. Guard your heart. Let me tell you something. I leak. Every morning when I get up, I have leaked what He gave me yesterday. Lord Jesus, you spoke of a river that flows out of people's innermost beings. Psalmist said there's a river that makes glad the city of God. And then the last page of the Bible, at the throne of God, there's a river flowing right from it. That river's in the earth today, the Holy Spirit. The sweet voice of God that strengthens hearts. All right, dear Jesus, I pray for everybody in this room. A lot of people in this room know you as Savior. I want them to get to know you as the encourager the one who strengthens their hearts. We cannot run without strength. We weren't created to run without fuel. We were created to run on God. We were created to run on the fuel of your spirit. Our hearts can only run on the fuel of your spirit. Lord Jesus, people are just trying to hang on now. Hang on, we're supposed to be setting records. I pray in Jesus' name, I just humbly ask you, I don't know how to convey this well to them. So I'm gonna ask you to do it. Teach them how to touch you. Teach them how to touch you. Teach them how to get alone and worship you quietly or say a prayer of thanksgiving until they sense your presence come. Teach them how to get in that book and feed on it. Not study it, feed on it. And let it be bread to their hearts and strength for their souls. In the name of Jesus, here's my prayer. Thank you that you'll answer it. Teach these people how to feed on you as they wait on the Lord and renew their strength. I trust you for that. Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you.